Thanks for listening to the show. Join us online at playvolutionhq.com and learn how to support the show at explorationsearlylearning.com slash support. Grab your highlighters. Can't find them? They're probably right there in your pocket protector. It's time for that early childhood nerd podcast. Let's get nerdy. Here's Heather. Hello and welcome to another episode of That Early Childhood Nerd. I'm Heather. I'm Tiffany. She's Tiffany and we just recorded another episode and we didn't introduce ourselves at all. So I hope people know who we are when they listen to that one. You'll have to guess. We'll have to guess. It'll be a fun game. Um, Tiffany's eating Frosted Flakes. Yum. Dry. So Yum. If you hear I love dry cereal. I'm trying crunching. to not be gross about it because I know some people are like, oh, chewing delicious. Uh-huh. Um, I like, love dry really fruit loops. Hungry. Yeah, sure. I haven't had anything today either. Um, but it's later here for me than it is for you where you are. Mm-hmm. Um, okay, so we're going to do, a, we're going to have a discussion um, yep. about a list of things. Yep. And this comes, this comes from Deb Curtis and Margie Carter, who I'm probably going to have a restraining order because I've done like 17 episodes about them lately. I don't know if restraining order is the right word. I don't know. I've got them like worried. copyright infringement might <laughs> be the right word. <laughs> I'm not giving people their books. I'm just talking about it. Um, okay, so anyway, this is from Learning Together with Young Children, a curriculum framework for reflective teachers, which I'm rereading. I read a long time ago, but I'm getting ready to shift from working with infants and toddlers, well, toddlers, to three to five-year-olds. So I'm shifting yeah, my thinking gotta, a little bit. It's different. This fancy, different job. So we're going to talk about this. They say, here's what we think is currently wrong with the way early childhood education is being conceptualized in the United States. Um, Definitions of quality are inadequate. Factories serve as a model for education. Teachers lack philosophical foundations. Authorities view children as needing to be quote-unquote readied and fixed. Play is not considered a viable source of curriculum. Child-directed and teacher-directed approaches are presented as opposed and mutually exclusive. There's no infrastructure to support teachers' reflective practice. Teachers and programs are required to adopt quantifiable, research-based curricula. So I read this and wanted to talk with you about it because I agree with it, but I think you said you don't necessarily necessarily agree with it. All right, so let's go. I view all of these as symptoms. Oh, okay. They are not the cause. Well, she just says this is what's wrong with the way it's conceptualized. I don't know. They say. Um, I, I mean, I agree that all of these things are wrong. Mm-hmm. Okay. But I, I think, like I said, they're symptoms. Okay. Of? What's your diagnosis? My diagnosis is, um, I don't, let's, let's kind of go through them. Sure. One, so. Yeah. That'll tie everything together yeah, okay. so definitions of quality are inadequate yes i 100 percent agree with that mm-hmm. we're fighting for high quality we should be fighting for quality okay we've talked about this before but yes but give a little elevator speech um, about that as we say well what our culture and our 
knowledge about childhood is constantly evolving. Right. By pinning something down as this is high quality, you're ignoring that ability to evolve. Okay. So you mean like having a checklist that for all time, this is the checklist of what quality looks like when those things should change. Yes, I agree with that. And I think one time you said something like, we should start talking about healthy childcare instead of quality childcare. And that I thought was pretty amazing. Um, Transformative language, as Mm -hmm. I like to say. Um, So I, I yeah. about it like, um, excuse me, I just Mm -hmm. took a huge mouthful. Sure. Well, I mean, I'll just, (laughs) I'll just say that I have worked in centers that met QRIS checklists and accreditation checklists, but in the day-to-day function, it was very poor quality because of the quality of the interactions and the kinds of experiences that children were allowed to be part of. Mm-hmm. Um, or, or just the state of the whatever, you know, the things on the checklist aren't yeah. always what I would say needs to be too. So, right. So I, I, th- where I think we need to take a page out of the restaurant industry's book. Okay. Health inspectors go through, they make sure that your restaurant is functioning at a healthy level. They make sure you're, you know, operating based on health standards. Mm-hmm. But when you think about like, Ooh, I'm, I want to go out to a super fancy, incredible dinner. Do you look up your health inspector records? Uh, I don't. No. <laughs> and that, that's like part of my point, right? Yeah. Like we need to be thinking about what are the health inspector, like what are the uh, circumstances necessary for safe and healthy classroom? Mm-hmm. And then programs need to be able to like define high quality by coming to it not by checking all the boxes and becoming Mm -hmm. it well and i so i think growing into it yeah you're a bad restaurant people don't go to your restaurant i don't know we have one here in town where someone died of food poisoning and two guys on my volleyball team were like i'd still roll those dice that food's good (laughs) (laughs) but anyway what i was gonna say is i keep thinking because I go back and forth between being a proponent of accreditation or quality rating scales or whatever. Of course, subjective because it depends on what the what the criteria are. But it right. it, it, it it's an indicator of some sort of I don't know commitment to or 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 professionalism. But I think it cannot just be that I had this file folder box full of artifacts and this shelf full of materials on the day you were here and so therefore I am accredited and I move forward when the teachers in that room don't know what any of those things should be or why that thing on your shelf is an indicator of like I think there needs to be some sort of um, assessment of adult knowledge for the specific adults who are in a program at any given time. And I think maybe maybe it was Travis thought that was a terrible idea when I was talking to him about it, but I think he's wrong. Mm. Because I, I think as, mm. long, as long as the adults don't know or buy in or 
turnover is so high that what the teacher before you knew, you may not know. We can't we can't take any of those things as signs of quality or healthiness. I, I would argue that you can take staff turnover as a measure of quality. I don't I, I go mm, I don't know. Because I don't know. Staff turnover is just so high f- across the field. Like it's And and what is that? imply yeah. about quality yeah so what's the other side of it then if it's a high quality program staff are bought in and and don't leave even if you know they could make money better money somewhere else they'll stay that's what you're yeah. thinking yeah they feel valued mm-hmm. all right they i guess enjoy i can see their that work yeah they aren't burnt out yeah i've certainly stayed in the field a long time making not much <laughs> because i bought into the work <laughs> Uh, so that one, yeah. Okay. That's definitely an, something wrong. Okay. With the way early childhood education is being conceptualized. Sure. Okay. The next one is where I start to die. Really? Digress. Factories yes. as a model for education? Yes. Because I thought that was spot on. Well, I, I mean, I think that it is true, but okay. I don't think that that itself is the problem. Okay. Um, crash course I, I in educational I, philosophies. This is going to be crazy semantics, I think, through this whole conversation with you and I. It might be. Anyway, go ahead. So, the factory serve as a model is because of the traditional perennialist mindset. Perennialism meaning, like, when you think of classic education, that's the philosophy, right? I think that the problem is not the factories or the model. Mm-hmm. But that one philosophy is valued more than the other three. Okay. And I think that a lot of these, the rest of the ones on the list, come back to the fact that one philosophy is taught and expected of the traditional American school system, and the other ones are not given equal value. Right. But but that that's what they're saying. <laughs> agree with you but i think that's what they mean when they say factories are the model but to me it's like it's all linear we're all on an assembly line there's one way of doing it right and i agree with that Uh but i don't think that the factory serving for the model is the problem if you believe that that's how humans learn i think you should have the power to create a perennialist school where factories serve as the model as long as you provide quality baseline for children because that's your philosophy i don't agree with that philosophy sure so so okay but then that just for me goes back to one of the things that's wrong with the way early childhood is conceptualized in the country is that we don't oh all right okay i'm I'm processing slowly but i i agree that everybody has i agree that everybody has the right that people have the right to base a program on that philosophy, even if I don't agree with the philosophy. But then I have the right to say, well, that's a garbage program. (laughs) And I should be fighting for advocating for other types of programming. And that, that is to me part of the defining quality. Okay. That baseline of quality, it should be a baseline for any philosophy. Right. Okay. Isn't that what we're fighting for? 
It doesn't matter if your restaurant is a food I don't like. You still need to wash your dishes every day. Okay. Huh? Well, is yeah, I'm just, this? yeah, I'm just, I'm, so I'm thinking about those baselines of quality. And for me, that's, you know, that they're physically safe and, yes. um, that they have, well, maybe this is more than baseline. For me, it's, they have good, uh, high quality interactions that lead to attachment. And what decisions are based on is what we know about children and how they learn and, what we know about the individuals in our room right now or our program right now. What do we know about the... May, maybe I'm expecting too much for my baseline is what I'm saying. And, uh, well, maybe we should talk about the baseline for a bit. Okay, let's do it. Because I think physically safe and emotionally yeah. safe. Right. And by emotionally safe, that means a healthy attachment. Mm-hmm. Um, what else would be in your baseline? Like, what else do children have a right to regardless of our theories of learning? Hmm. Regardless of our theories of learning. Yeah. They have a right to play. Yeah. Um, I think they have more of a right to choice than we give them mm-hmm. in a lot of programs. Mm-hmm. I think that choice goes along with freedom. Mm-hmm. Um, I would say they have a right to acceptance. Okay. So, so what I'm thinking though, is if we're in a program that, you know, if we've got children in a program that, um, sees this, uses, has this factory model or whatever, and children are just moved along this linear path where here's the, the order that we're going to address skill knowledge or whatever. Mm-hmm. And, we're really only focused on their compliance with this system. Then you can't have that baseline we just talked about in a center or program whose philosophy is this factory model. Did that make sense? It sure, it didn't sound like mm. it. No, it does. I'm just trying to think. I'm trying to think if the factory model. I'm just, I'm. I'm realizing that I think the factor. Okay. <laughs> this is riveting. Uh, uh, riveting uh, podcast. Uh, yeah. Um, uh, so. Okay. Oh, I'm trying to wrap my brain around things mm-hmm. right now. And I, I just want to make sure that we're not, you know, both saying the same things in different ways and sounding like we're arguing when we're really agreeing. I think, I think we kind of are. Yeah. yeah. Because I think another thing with the factory model... Okay, I'm, I'm coming around. Mm-hmm. So if you are a traditionalist, if you believe that, like, the teacher disseminates the Im- right. information and you need to learn your three R's, mm-hmm. is there not room for freedom of choice, right to acceptance, emotionally safe? Is there not room for play? in that model. And I would argue that there is. It's just how the information is transferred is different. Well, I, I, I would argue that it's possible, but I would also argue that I've been in a lot of programs where that's not the reality. It's not happening just because it's possible Yeah, to have that baseline. And this is... I want to come up with uh, rights of the child... <laughs> For us, 
I want to come up with our own. Oh, okay. Grab my pen. Okay. I paused. Okay, go. Oh. Tiffany found her lost pen. It was really far away. <laughs> I was impressed with the, the distance of the pen. Sure. So, I think we are saying the same thing in different Okay. Ways. Probably. But Is I would also... to listen to? I don't know. I don't know that either. <laughs> I, I mean, I would also say that even in those programs where I don't agree, agree with the the way that the you know the the adult is the giver of information and the children are compliant whatever whatever if if there's a positive warm relationship between adults and children in that setting then then i think that goes further that for me than a program where you know children have the choice and and there's play and all yes, these wonderful yes. things but the adults don't care and aren't engaged and are harsh yes. that yes. So much for me comes down to um, the adult in the room. And I would argue that that is emotional safety. Yeah. Okay. All right. All right, then. So next on the list, <laughs> teachers. So I, oh. I also want to say that I don't think that these things aren't true. Uh-huh. Like, I agree. Teachers lack philosophical, fa- philosophical, philosophical foundation. foundation. Okay. Well, let's talk about what that means. That they lack a philosophical foundation. They're they're doing things because the person before them did it, yeah. and not because they're making a choice about what they, how they think children learn. Yeah, I I've been thinking a lot lately about what I in my own brain am just calling American childcare culture, and ah. um and part of that is stuff like we do this because that's the way things d- are done in this center or. At my last child care, I did it this way, so I'm going to do it that way at this center. And instead of saying, here's what we know about child development, here's what we know about how children learn, I'm going to base my decisions on that. We base them on these traditions and rituals and schedules um, mm-hmm. that are mm-hmm. part of American child care culture. And, um, and I think that's yeah. part of what they're talking about here mm-hmm. is that. And, but, but then I guess their philosophical foundation is child care culture. It's it's not child development right. or right that kind of stuff. So that's one of my big pet peeves. But but it's I don't know how how accountable can I hold people for that when they haven't been offered any other ways of thinking about things? Yes, they don't. I, and I I'm hesitant to say they don't know better. Well, but they haven't had time to or right. resources or whatever to decide or mentoring They're or not coaching making informed decisions right yeah. and and even our a lot of our teacher prep programs whether it's associates programs or bachelor's programs or whatever fall back on this idea of child care culture or preschool culture and not yeah. on um so so here's what we know about child development we also know that we have these children living in groups every day how can we connect the two it's just here's what preschool looks like go play teacher and yes. and that's frustrating for me too yes yes hmm. and it's it's you don't realize it could be different until you see it done differently and right. i haven't even seen it done differently right 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 okay that was easy so here's, hmm. well here's where ah. i so i think teachers do lack philosophical foundations i think uh where 
where early childhood education uh, is like the root of the problem is that teachers are misaligned with the philosophy. So explain like, like, Oh, we're (laughs) a play based center. Oh, but the teachers come in with a traditional mindset, right? I'll say what I need to say in the interview to get a job in this play based center, but then I'm going to do it my way when I get in there. Yeah. Or the other way around. I'm like, I think I believe that's where I am right now. I'm play-based in a non-play-based and doing whatever I want, even though that's not the center philosophy. Right. And I think that that is equally, not harmful, mm-hmm. but I think that that is an equal problem. Mm-hmm. Because it, it's perpetuating the issue that, like, a parent comes in and they expect American child care culture, which I think is a delightful term. Thank you. I'm going to be Thank using it in some writing. Term. Yes. <laughs> They're looking for American childcare culture because it's never been presented as different. Right. Because there is this continuous misalignment of teaching philosophy and school philosophy and other teachers at the school philosophy, parents never get to see the true philosophy. And when they do, it's seen as radical. Yeah. And it's, uh, I think that is like a. That is the problem. Uh-huh. That there aren't examples of true philosophy because everything is so intermixed. Mm-hmm. So how does that fit into, and, and maybe this is going to take the conversation in a different way, and if it does, we'll just plan that for a different podcast. Okay. But okay. where where does that fit with the conversation about professionalizing our field? And part of the reason we're not seen as professionals is because we're so disjointed and every program can do things every way they want to and... That that's a real problematic conversation for me because I want to see the field professionalized so that yeah. we have higher expectations for the field from within from within our own ranks or whatever. But where does that fit with this choice and philosophical foundation and all that? Is that too big a question? No, I think that it's the same answer. I think that we need to start seeing training programs and college courses mm-hmm. and um like internships uh, uh-huh. i think i think we need to redefine how adults who enter the field are taught because they are being taught in the american child care <laughs> culture way but it it like i need to trademark it quick before someone steals do. my phrase <laughs> uh it works its way up mm-hmm. right yeah. We're all taught in the same way from the PowerPoints for the two hours on a Saturday. And then yeah. we go in and we do the little workshop. And there's no diversity of how we teach our adults. Uh-huh. So I think that if we want to push for professionalization, we have to start teaching adults in the way that we want them to teach children. Right. And in the way that we know that they learn. Like, yes. just, just because, and, and I think... This is Deb Curtis and Margie Carter from a different book. But, you know, one thing they said that I read a long time ago was just because adults are polite enough to sit through that kind of sage on the stage lecture doesn't mean that that's how they learn best. And yes. and we need to, to present, again, other ways of doing it because this is the only way we've ever seen it done. Mm-hmm. Could hmm. you, like, picture in your head what a 
Reggio Adult Workshop would be? I don't know. Why do you got to bring Reggio into this? <laughs> because, well, I was going to say Reconstructionist, but I thought that that was kind of a mm. rude example to give. Okay. I I don't I don't know how I see uh, that. So like this comes down to the lack of philosophical knowledge, right? Uh-huh. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so so like reconstructionist aka Montessori that you learn for the betterment of society. You're an individual whose goal is social and societal development. But like have you ever been to a training like that? No, we've only ever been to perennialist trainings. Uh-huh. We've only ever been to ones where the teacher shoots you down the line and the person at the front of the room has control to the extent that they tell you when it's okay to go to the bathroom. Hey, that's not how I do trainings. <laughs> so, yeah, I've been in those. Don't do it that way. <laughs> but this is what I'm saying. Like, right. But, you know, when I... just start doing it when different I, from the top down and the bottom up. Right. When I do that, it's very confusing for participants, and some of them super don't like it. Because what they're used to is, I'm going to go to a training, I'm going to sit, I'm going to space off and doodle, mm-hmm. I'm going to get my certificate, and hey, I'm going to go. Don't knock doodling. No, I'm not knocking doodling in all contexts, just in this one. Okay. I'm a doodler. I have And a spacer offer. I'm a visual note taker, yes, man. Yes, I know. Um, by the way, off topic, not interesting to the listeners at all. I can't open that PDF you sent me of that book that you. Oh. So anyway, so let's we'll we'll take care of that off air. Okay, you <laughs> well, let's let's do one more from this list and then break, and then okay. and then yeah. come back to the rest of the list on the next episode. So the next one is authorities view children as needing to be readied and fixed. That's who who are the authorities? Education, yeah, man. yeah. It's it the same thing said differently. Sure. Well, but I think the other one is is specific to the teachers. This one is more. I mean, the teachers certainly can be included in that, but it's also the funders and the legislators and right. the consumers. You know, right. going back to parents have only been given one way of looking at things, mm-hmm. um, and we have. We have this deficit model that teaching means fixing. Yeah. Here's a question. Okay. Is it bad at, I'm, I'm picturing the vocational, you know, the kids worked all the way up. He wants to go into a vocational field, but doesn't have the knowledge to do so. Is that not a valid authority viewing <sighs> The child is not ready. Sure. I mean, I think, hmm, well, I guess we have to talk about ready for what. Exactly. In this. So, so definitely, I mean, duh, of course, a three-year-old's not ready to be a seven-year-old. You know what I mean? There's, there's stuff they've got to develop and learn. But I think what the problem is, is that we think that by laying seven-year-old responsibility and expectations on a three-year-old, that fixes the problem. Oh, I see. Is okay. is the way I think of it. So so when you're talking about, you know, a kid who's made it all the way up and isn't ready for some career, that's that's learning that needs to be done. Not an internal deficit that is I, a I is a I'm, fault. Right. Does I that, guess I'm asking what I also feel like I need to say I agree. 
that authorities do view that children are need to be ready and fixed. Uh What I'm curious about is what perspective is that authority coming from, Mm -hmm. from their end of the road, from their wherever. Is it valid? Mm -hmm. Right. Well, are the are the quote unquote children that enter the workforce not ready? Do those millennials have a terrible work ethic? Uh, that answer is no. <laughs> I know. I'm a millennial, but I'm a one. Get me started on millennial no bashing either. <laughs> the, <laughs> the millennial inquisition. Um, so, so yeah, I mean, I think part of this conversation then has to be what are they being fixed? What needs to be fixed? And what are they being readied for? And our answers would change then. And our agreement level would change then. Um, yeah. But for me, and I think because I've read further in the book and I know what they're talking They're talking about uh. getting three-year-olds ready for their third grade standardized test that proves whether, whether school worked for them or yeah. whether the teachers were effective or yeah. um, being fixed. They can't sit still, so we're going to fix them to sit still. That kind of readiness bullshit yeah. that drives me crazy. Um, and, and it goes, it goes to what, what we talked about in the previous episodes about the rights of the child. When I was talking about sometimes we only value children for what they're going to be able to do for us in the future. This piece to me speaks to children have a right today to have good experiences and happiness and, and warmth and, and choice and all that stuff, regardless of what we can get out of it later. Yes. So, so that's why it pushes a button for me is that it's just part of this. Um, I don't see you as fully human right now. I see you as something that could maybe someday be human. But yes. <laughs> right now you're this pawn, and <laughs> and yes. I don't I don't have time for that. <laughs> yes. If that's not putting it too strongly. Uh, preach, girl. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Anything else on that one? No. All right. Well, let's. We're stopping there for next time. We're going to stop there and we'll pick up the next four pieces in the next episode. So thanks for listening, everybody. Tiffany, hang on. And that's the show. Now go get your nerd on. This has been an Explorations Early Learning Upstairs Studio production. Oh. Hey, we need your support to keep the podcasts flowing. Go to explorationsearlylearning.com slash support to learn how. One of the big things you can do is shop Amazon with the link we provide. You buy your cat food, you buy your kids' books, you buy whatever it is you buy on Amazon, you pay the regular price. We get a small percentage of it. Everybody wins. A lot of people are doing it. It really supports the shows, and we really appreciate it. Give it a try. Thanks.